Chanukah is approaching. Chanukah is one of the, the mitzvah, the mitzvah of Chanukah, the mitzvah of lighting the menorah, is one, is one of the two mitzvahs in which the concept of Hidr mitzvah is most prominent. Hidr mitzvah applies to all mitzvahs. It's, it's good to do a mitzvah in a, in a nicer and more, uh, more beautiful way. But there are two mitzvahs in particular in the Torah in which Hidr is an, is an integral part of the mitzvah. And they are Lulav, the Arbaminim, where it says, Yulakachtem Lachem Bayom Harishon Priates Hadar. The Esrog is described as a beautiful pre, so there's a special mitzvah of Hadar. It applies to Esrog, it applies to all Dalad Minim. Certain types of Hadar are Ma'akev, are even B'diavad Yonat Yotze. Certain types of Hadar are just L'chadchila. But Hadar plays a special role in Dalad Minim. And, and the other one, of course, is Ner Chanukah. Ner Chanukah is the only mitzvah in the Torah where Chazal gave us multiple modes of fulfilling the mitzvah. We have the Iker mitzvah, which is simply lighting <coughs> one nair per house per night. Most of us don't do that. Most of us light Mahadrin or Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. Mahadrin is where we light nair l'chal echad v'echad. Everyone in the house lights a nair, not just one per household. And Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin is to be Mosef Aholech, is to light one nair per night of Hanukkah, one on the first, two on the second, and that's what I think most of us do, most of us light Mahadrin and Mahadrin, we, we, our menorahs all have eight, uh, all, the, the iconic, every menorah has eight branches, because we light one, one additional nair for every night of Hanukkah, and then those, those latter two modes are called Mahadrin and Mahadrin and Mahadrin. I want to discuss tonight a, several chuvas and some other halakhic discussion as well, concerning an interesting question as to how do we weigh the benefit of me doing a mitzvah in the Mahadran way as opposed to the regular way? How do we balance that against somebody else doing or not doing the mitzvah at all? We only have enough to go around. I already have enough to be yotze. I have extra. I have extra oil. So I have enough oil that I can afford to light. I can afford to light not just one nair issue base, so I can afford to light one for everyone in my house and one for every night of Hanukkah. But I have a friend who has no oil, and if I don't give him my oil, he won't be able to do the mitzvah at all. If I give him my oil, we'll both do the mitzvah meikar and din, but I won't do the mitzvah. I won't have enough to do the mitzvah mahadrin or mahadrin and mahadrin. So what's better? Is it better that I should do the mitzvah mahadrin and mahadrin? It's my oil, and I should use it for my hider, my mahadrin, my mahadrin and mahadrin. Or is it better that he should have the chance at least to do the mitzvah, Meikra Din? This is a question that arises in a number of contexts. Probably more, most of, these, most, most of these cases are probably more theoretical than practical, though they did arise occasionally. We live in a time of plenty, in a time of freedom, where we don't deal with these kind of, this kind of scarcity as much, but it happens. It used to happen more often. Arvaminim were less common. Oil, people couldn't afford it. It wasn't always available. So we're going to discuss several chuvas tonight dealing with variations on this theme, and this question and related halachic questions. The, the, very, first, the very first halachic discussion of, of this type of question in the halachic literature appears in a work called Sefer Haman Hagim of Rabbi Avram Kleisner. Rabbi Avram Kleisner was a German chacham who lived in the, who lived in the, 13th, in the, in the 14th century. He was a, he died, they say, around the year Kufayan, which would be about 1410. So he, uh, 
he lived, he lived, he lived and, and served as rabbi in Rosh Hashiva, perhaps also in, in Vienna in the, in the 13th, in the, in, in the, in, in the 14th century. So that is some um, uh, 700 years ago. And he, like many German Chachamim, one of his famous works was a, was a work called Sefer HaMenhagim. Many of the Germans liked collecting Menhagim. We have Menhagim Aril, we have other Menhagim. So the, the Sefer Menhagim was a work that he, not, he, not clear if he exactly wrote it, apparently he, he, there, was an, there was an older work called, there was an older work called Menhagim, with uh, an older collection of Menhagim, which he added many notes to and glosses to. But the, the Sefer Menhagim of Rabbi Avram Kleisner, the Menhagim Arak, is an ancient work, uh, a venerable work on collection of halachas and menhagim from Ashkenaz, from medieval Ashkenaz. In the Sefer Menhagim, he has a note with the following interesting uh, episode. He says, there was a certain person who every year he would have an esrog and a lulav and a hadas, I guess certainly aravas, but the other three, I guess, were harder to find. Every year, this person ma- made a point. He was zochet to have an esrog, a lulav, and hadas. And he would uh, have the opportunity to make a bracha on his own arbaminim. Today, that's not such a uh, noteworthy thing. Most of us have the chance to make a bracha on our own arbaminim. But it used to be, as we'll see in some of the other sources as well, it used to be uh, a community was lucky to get a srogim. It wasn't so easy, and often they would only have one, one for the community, or several for the community, or only rich people had them. Everyone else would, would borrow, would, would get somebody else's, and use somebody else's. This person was one of the fortunate few who had his own arbaminim? Every year he had his own arbaminim. Shana achas, one year, Sholchu Anashim Eracheres is apparently a Maishashaya, but people from another city sent him the following communication. Ein lanu estrog velula vahadas. We have no dalabminim this year. Lachain tishlach lanu esholcha. Therefore, send us yours, give us yours. A little peremptory, you're asking somebody for a favor to give up his dalabminim, you think they could have couched it a little more uh, gracefully. I guess they were desperate, or maybe the editor of Kleisner is just uh, paring it down to the bare minimum. They sent him, we don't have our baminim, give us yours. All right. So, says Rabbi Kleisner, the Marak, yes, their, their demand is, is correct, their demand is just. Better that he give up his lulav. He won't lose the mitzvah. There are others in his community that have a communal arbaminim for him to use. He won't have the privilege of having his own personal set, so better he should forfeit this, uh, this maila, this hidr of having his own arbaminim. Better he should give that up and be yotze with the communal esrog and lulav like everyone else in order for the other community to be able to be, fulfill the mitzvah. He'll be, he'll, be, he'll be mezakeh, this entire other community, with a chance to do the mitzvah. That is preferable, that is, that is uh, more pleasing in God's eyes than you having the mitzvah behidr. More pleasing than that is, you, is you're enabling the other community to be able to do the mitzvah. Rabbi, Rabbi yes. doesn't that imply that lachem is a hidor? And do we, do we the, the requirement of ownership? So that's a good question. So, the, so the, Aaron's raising the question that we know that the, the Pasuk says, lachem bayom harishon, that, that the, you, have to take, you have to take an esterog, it has to be yours, only the first day or the first two days, the other days you can borrow an esterog, but the first two days, lachem has to be yours. And the Gemara actually makes it clear that that is meikra uh, din, that's daraisa. How do we square that, the question is, with this idea that being, the being, being yotze with an esterog of the kahal? So the answer is, I think, that we find this in many sources, we're not going to get into this in detail tonight, but we find in many sources going back to the medieval period, 
they used to use communal esrogim, despite the fact that it has to be lachem, and they, the, the, the postkim explained it different ways. Some of them said that because everyone's a member of the community, they're like shutfim, they, they, they all have a share in the communal esrogim, or perhaps they, they would make a point of giving the esrogim turn to every member of the community as a gift, a matamas lahachzer, or an outright gift for him to be yotze. But the answer, I think, is yes, that, that simply borrowing an esrog is, 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 not, is not sufficient, at least now on the first day, but the esrog shalkahal was, was, was an established practice so that it was considered actually lochem, either because, again, either because you're, you're a shutif, and as a shutif, you, you are considered a part owner, or even more than part, perhaps, the, the, the understanding of the shutfus is that whenever you need it, it's yours, or, the, or because they actually gave it to all the shutfim in turn as a matana, but that, I think they did take care of making sure it was lochem. It wasn't considered entirely mudr, partly for that very reason, partly because we're, we're using kind of legal, uh, legal formalisms to get around lachem. Again, it brings to mind mechiras chametz and other things. It's not really yours, we're just making it yours in a kind of, uh, in a kind of uh, legalistic maneuver. And some felt, I think, people weren't well-versed in the dinam of Lachem, so, so, they, so they, wouldn't, they, they wouldn't execute the Kinyanim properly. So that is one of the reasons why the Poskim encouraged people to have their own Esrog and not to rely on the Kahal. But Mikra Din, but the Eved, Poskim were willing to consider the Esrog Shal Kahal Lachem, maybe not the most ideal Lachem, but it was considered a form of Lachem because they were part owners or because the Esrog was given to everyone in the community in turn. So this, this, this was the ruling of Rabbi Avram Kleisner, again, some 700 years ago. 650, 650 years ago, the, this, this ruling had a uh, very interesting, at least if you're interested in history and, and, and halacha and the history of halacha, it had a very interesting uh, evolution and a very interesting um, trajectory of, of, of how this, how this psaq worked. From the menhagim of the, of the marak, of Rav Kleisner, it was quoted in the Sefer Mate Moshe. The, the Sefer Mate Moshe was a late 16th, early 17th century work. It was, uh, it was a late 16th century work by a Talmud of the Marshal. His name was Rabbi Moshe Mat. He was a Polish Chacham, and he compiled also a collection of halachas and minhagim on Arachayim. And the Sefer Mate Moshe is not widely learned today. It's been displaced by later works and other commentaries. But the Mate Moshe was extremely influential in its time. It was quoted heavily by the Magen Avram and by other Achronim, who frequently looked to it as an early, important work on halacha. In this particular case, the Sefer Mate Moshe brings down, almost verbatim, this ruling of the Maraki, he credits it to the Hagab of Marak. So this was, this was some, uh, some two, three hundred years after the, after the Marak himself. It was brought in, to Poland by the Mate Moshe. From there, it made it into the Magen Avram, the, the, the preeminent commentary to Shulchan Aruch Archaim, and also into the Sefer Beis Yaakov, a Rav Yaakov, uh, Rav Yaakov of Zusmer, a leading early, also another leading early European posik. They both bring this. Uh, they, they both bring this ruling of the of the Rabbi Avram Kleisner that it's better to give the esrog to somebody else than to keep it yourself and do the hider. Magen Avram quotes it to the Mate Moshe B'Shem the Hagos Marak, the Beis Yaakov. Quotes it and attributes it to what he calls a the, 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 the way he attributes it. He says he found it in a sefer. He found it in a sefer. He says Kovitz Yashon, an ancient work, Nichtav Shnas Kufayin, written in the year Kufayin. That's the year again, fourteen ten. So written in fourteen ten, he quotes it. He, he doesn't even quote the Matei Moshe. He apparently saw it straight in the source of the 
of the Minhagim, of the Marak. So the, so the, the Beis Yaakov, and more importantly, the Magen Avram, quote this ruling of the Marak. And from there, from the Magen Avram, it makes it down into all the later Ashkenazi Achronim, down to the Mishnabura, that the... down to the... That, that, down to the Mishnabura, and so on. This, this, this Psaq made it... This, this, this Psaq made it all the way, uh, all the way down throughout Ashkenazi Allah. Okay. So now, against the background of this, uh, of th- this Marak was really the first one to discuss this question about how do we balance my hidr against somebody else's uh, mitzvah, and he ruled that it's more important that someone else should do the mitzvah at, rather than not do it at all than for me to do it in the most mahudr way possible. As we'll see, though, the Beis Yaakov and the Machnechayim, a later Achron, both, both proposed very similar understandings of the Marak, that Rav Kleisner meant that was only when there was an entire community that wasn't going to have an esrog if I didn't give them my esrog. There was an entire village, an entire community that had no other arbaminim. If I don't give it to them, then an entire city, an entire village is not going to do the mitzvah. Then I should forfeit my hidr in favor of a whole other city doing the mitzvah. In a case where it's one against one, where it's either I do the hidr or one individual person will, uh, will have an esrog, that's less clear. And some are going to argue that then he would say, no, keep it for yourself in such a case. But I'll call upon him when an entire village is going to miss the mitzvah of Dalad Minim, then we have this ruling going back to Rav Kleisner in the 14th century that the better that you should forfeit the Hidr and other people should get to do the mitzvah, at least get to do it in a basic way. Now, even earlier than Rabbi Avram Kleisner is a Rashba. The Rashba was 13th century, died in the very early 14th century. The Rashba was asked a question, not quite about Hidra Mitzvah, but the Rashba was a sensational case. He was asked about something also balancing, he was talking more about Avera, whether I should do a, a lesser Avera in order to save somebody else from even more significant Averas. The Talmud discusses this, this is the sugya of Ein Omrim that normally the Gemara says we don't tell people to do an Avera to save somebody else from a more serious Avera, the end doesn't justify the means. But there are all kinds of, as we'll discuss in more detail soon, hopefully there are all kinds of conflicting passages in Chazal and in the Talmud and all kinds of different uh, chilukim the Rishonim give. So the Rashba was asked the following case. Nishal HaRashba, the Beis Yosef brings this Rashba. According to the Torah I was using, it sounds like we don't know where this tshuva actually is, but Beis Yosef brings a tshuva the Rashba. Someone got a message, an urgent message on Shabbos, that they have seized his daughter a Yisrael Mumar, an apostate, working with the church apparently, had seized this fellow's daughter by force from his home, and they were going to uh, be motzi her from Klal Yisrael. They were going to baptize her, I guess, and dump her in a convent somewhere. They were going to seize her and raise her as a Christian. So he got this message. He has apparently a narrow window of time when uh, he can still intervene and avert this catastrophe. His question was, should he, the Rashba was asked, should he hit the road and get moving immediately on Shabbos? Maybe they would scare her into actually accepting baptism. Again, you have to know the facts, uh, the, you have to know how this process worked, but apparently once she accepted baptism, it would be much harder to, to get her out of the church's clutches. We know this from the Holocaust, we know this from other cases, once a person was baptized, the church considered him or her one of their own, They'd be very, very reluctant to give, her, to give him or her up. They would say, uh, he's a Christian now, we can't give him back to you. Apparently he felt, and uh, if she would hold out, if she would refuse the baptism, he could come by on Sunday and then somehow rescue her. But 
she might be terrified and accept the baptism, and then it would be impossible to get her out, apparently. That seems to be the implication of the tshuva. Can he be Michal Shabbos? Can he be Michal Shabbos to rescue his daughter from the clutches of the church? In Mutter Lelech, Afilu Chutzligimur Parsos, what was the issue involved? The first issue involved was Tchum. He would have to travel outside the Tchum, wherever this convent or monastery or church was, was outside the Tchum. Not only was it outside the normal Tchum of 2000 Amas, which is Drabanan, we paskin, it was, it was even outside the extended Tchum of Gimel Parsos. Three Parsos is Yudbe's Mill, is 12 Mill. There is an opinion the Rashba brings that the, the Yudbe's Mill is Daraisa. There are, there are major Rishonim who say that even if 2000 Amas is Drabanan on Shabbos, but 12 Mill is Daraisa. This is brought by the later postkim as well. We're, we're choshesh for the shita. Is he allowed to travel outside the Tchum on Shabbos, which can even be an Isser Daraisa of the Tchum of Yud Beis Mil? And moreover, I don't know exactly what a Chosam was, but apparently he was able to, he might be able to procure some kind of, some kind of important official document from the king, from the government, that would countermand whatever the church was going to do. He'd have to carry this, obviously. It would be a question of Hotzah. So he'd have to do various malachas to, to, to give it his best shot to rescue his daughter from the church. He'd have to do various malachas of Shabbos, various Shabbos violations. We know if the daughter's physical life was in danger, of course, we're Machal Shabbos. We go to the hospital, we drive, we, we, we do uh, every malacha we have to in order to save somebody's life. In this case, her life was not in danger. Her Religious life was in danger. Her future, her, her future spiritual life was in danger. Can we be Michal Shabbos to save the girl from life as a Christian? Says the Rashba, I'm not sure. It's, uh, it's a question that requires further analysis. This is my opinion, even though I concede it's not uh, an open and shut case. She'ein dochen Shabbos elatzolomeh Says the Rashba, perhaps a surprising conclusion, we cannot be Michal Shabbos to save somebody from doing Averis. What's going to happen if she's a Christian? She'll live her whole life doing Averis. She'll eat treif, she won't keep Shabbos. She'll live her life without Torah and Mitzvahs. Okay, so you want, you want to be Michal Shabbos today to save this girl from a lifetime of Avera. Can't do that, says the Rashba, no can do. Gemara and Shabbos, this is one of the Gemaras I mentioned earlier. The Gemara establishes a, uh, a vivid rule it says, We don't tell someone, you do an Avera to save somebody else from an Avera, even if the other, the other Avera is much more serious. Even a minor Isser you don't do, we don't tell you to do in order to save somebody else from a major Isser. The Gemara talks about a case where somebody put bread into an oven on Shabbos. He put dough, he put a, he put a dough into an oven on Shabbos. It hasn't baked yet. If you let it sit there for another hour, let's say, it'll bake, and then it'll be over the Chil Shabbos Daraisa of Ofe, of the, the Malacha Bishel of Ofe on Shabbos. If you remove it, you're, the, you're at the oven. You're, you're, a, you're a neutral outside party. If you remove that dough from the oven, then he won't have done Chil Shabbos Daraisa because the bread won't have gotten baked. However, you'll have an over an Isidra Removing bread is not a Malacha Daraisa, but removing bread, Rudias Apas, is an Isidra on Shabbos. The question is, should you do the Isser Drabanan to save him from an Isser Daraisa, much more serious Isser? Answer is no. The Gemara says absolutely not. You do not do an Isser, even an Isser Zuta, a relatively minor Isser, in order to save him even from an Isser Rabbah. We don't do that. There's another Gemara which seems to contradict this, the, the Rashba says, immediately, immediately continues. This is Gemara in Erevin. 
The Gemara says, a chaver, a person who is pious and meticulous in the laws of Truman and Maser, a chaver would prefer, the Gemara says, and rightfully so, should prefer, does prefer, would prefer, a chaver prefers to do Isura Zuta in order to avert an Amharet doing Isura Rabbah. The case over there the Gemara is talking about was, there's some food that the Amharet is going to eat. The exact details of the case are, we're not going to get into, but there, there's a certain scenario where there's food that Amharet is prepared to eat. But the, the chaver hasn't taken meiser yet. The only way he can take off meiser is remotely. He's not at the food. Normally taking off meiser remotely when you're not there is called shalom and amukaf. It's uh, taking off meiser when the food isn't all in front of you is not the right way to do it. It's an iser to do it shalom and amukaf. That's a relatively minor iser. If the amaretz eats the food without meiser taking off from it, that's a serious iser. That's an iser of tevel, which is a very serious iser. So the Gemara says, the Chavar prefers, and correctly so, prefers to do the Isura Zuta of taking off Meiser, Shalom and Amukaf, remotely, rather than having the Amaretz be Nichshel and Aver of Tevel. So that seems to be a flat contradiction to the Gemara in Shabbos. It says we don't tell people to do Isura Zuta to save others from Isura Rabbah. So what's the difference? Says the Rashba, the, the, the normal rule, the dominant rule, is the rule of Shabbos. We don't tell a person to do Isura Zuta to avert an Isura Rabbah. Why is the Gemara and Erevin of the Chavar different? It says the Rashba, the Rishonim give a number of Terutzim, but says the Rashba, the difference is, in that Gemara and Erevin, it was the Chavar's fault. He was the one who was causing the Amaretz to be Nichshel and Tevel. The Amaretz was relying on him. He was the one who caused the Amaretz to be put in this situation. So there, where the Amaretz's Isra will be his fault to a certain extent, there we say he, would, he, he should do an Isura Zuta to save somebody else from doing an Isura Rabbah, which he will have caused. But any time it's not his fault that the person's doing the Yisura Rabbah, we tell him, don't do even an Yisura Zuta. It's not your job to do Averis to save other people from greater Averis. That's the Rashba's conclusion, and uh, that's what he paskins, and therefore the Rashba says, he admits he's not sure, he reiterates that he's not sure, but he says, my understanding is that the Ika rule, the, the main rule is the rule of Shabbos. We don't tell a person to do even a minor Isser to save somebody else from a greater Isser. Therefore, says the Rashba, we don't tell you to violate Trum or to carry the Chosam, to carry this document, to carry this important uh, royal artifact from the, to do this Malachan on Shabbos to save your daughter from a lifetime of Shmad, even though that's no question that's an Isura Rabbah, and what you're doing is Isura Zuta, says the Rashba, it doesn't matter, since it's not your fault here, you're not to blame that they seized your daughter, therefore you should not do even an Isura Zuta to save your daughter from a lifetime of Shmad. This Psaac, I dare say, sounds a little counterintuitive. Most of us probably would have uh, suspected the answer should be otherwise. And the Beis Yosef, indeed, is not, not so happy with this Rashba. The Beis Yosef, who brought the Rashba, says, wait a second, the Rashba pins this question on the steer in the two sugis, that the Gemara in Shabbos says, you don't do any Surah Zuta to save someone from Isura Rabbah, the Gemara in Erevin says, you do. The Rashba's terrors is, normally you don't, except in the case of Erevin, when it's your fault. But Tosus gives other terutz to me, says. Tosus, Tosus in Erevin, Tosus in Shabbos, Tosus in Gittin, Tosus discusses this question in numerous places in Shas, and he gives other terutz to me, says. One terutz Tosus says is that, that, the only time, that the only time we don't tell you to save somebody else is when he was Poshea. He was the one who put the bread in, and then he shouldn't have done it. Whether well, he was Shogeg or Mazid, but it's his fault. Ultimately, it's his fault. He got himself into this mess. So we don't tell you to do any Isura Zuta to save him when, when he's the one at fault. But when he's not at fault, he says, when he did nothing wrong, 
Then he says there is we, you, do, you should do an Isura Zuta to save him from his Isura Rabbah. So he says the he says says the Beis Yosef according to that approach certainly here he says the girl did nothing wrong the girl was seized from her uh, from seized from her home it's not her fault even though ideally she should give up her life rather than be uh, baptized or rather than do perhaps she should give up her life rather than become a Christian but we we can't reasonably expect everyone to do that and the this is not called pasha maybe it's even Yavar Valyaharig it's, it's not called pasha he says. So therefore, certainly according to that approach of Tosus, you definitely could be Michal Shabbos to save the girl. Tosus has another approach. Tosus has another approach that normally, closer to the Rashba, but that normally we don't do Isura Zuta to save somebody else from Isura Rabbah. But in a case where, in a case, there is a certain type of Isura Rabbah where there's a mitzvah Rabbah, where there's a great mitzvah that you're accomplishing, then you do do Isura Zuta. And Tosus brings the Gemara in Gittin. The Gemara says that there was an Eved who, was, uh, who, who had a very tangled personal status. He was halfway an Eved and halfway a free man. He couldn't get married. He was basically an Agun, like an Aguna. He couldn't get married at all, because since he's halfway a free man, he's prohibited from marrying a Shifcha, a, a maidservant, because a free man in Halacha is not allowed to marry a Shifcha. Since he was half an Eved, though, he was still half an Eved, he can't marry a Baskarin. He can't marry a normal Jew, because a, a normal Jew can't marry half an Eved. So because of his tangled personal status, he can't get married at all. And Pru Ravu, the mitzvah of procreation, is a great, great mitzvah. Therefore, in order to do the mitzvah, we tell the master to free the Eved. Normally, freeing the Eved is Aser. Laolamem Tavodu, there's a mitzvah to keep your Eved enslaved. We tell him it's worth violating your mitzvah in order to help the Eved with his great, great mitzvah, Pru Ravu. What happened to Ein Omer Laladim Chatei B'Shvil Shigizka says, Tosfus Pru Ravu is a great, great mitzvah, and that, for such an important mitzvah, we say that you should do, you, you should do a, a relatively minor ister in order to, say, in order to accomplish a mitzvah rab. Says the Yosef, according to that approach as well, stopping the girl from living life as a Christian? That's certainly a mitzvah rabbi, he says. Says the Yosef, according to these two approaches of Tosfus, either that we only, say, we only don't say don't do any surazuta only when it's his fault, the, when it's the other person's fault that he's doing the Avera Rabbah, or we say that and otherwise we do, or according to the opinion that for a Mitzvah Rabbah we always do, says the, says the Beis Yosef, according to those approaches of Tosus, then certainly we can and should tell the father to do whatever he has to do on Shabbos to save his daughter from the living, living life uh, in Shmad as a Christian. Therefore the Beis Yosef concludes that the... Therefore the Beis Yosef concludes that you should indeed, you should indeed uh, tell him to Michal Shabbos, even even Daraisa, we tell him to do it because uh, when faced with the, the consequence of her shmading and living her whole life as being Michal Shabbos, certainly we say it's, what you're doing is only in Isura Zuta, one time Chil Shabbos, even if it's Chil Shabbos Daraisa, it's not so Zuta, but compared to the girl being Michal Shabbos her whole life as a Christian, it certainly is Zuta, and it's not her fault, he says. And it's certainly a mitzvah rabbah to keep her as a Jew. And therefore, for all these reasons, the Beis Yosef says, he disagrees with the Rashba, and he says that a person should indeed be Michal Shabbos to save the woman from lifetime, his own daughter, from lifetime, from a life as a Christian, from a life of Shmat. Shulchan Aruch paskins this way. Shulchan Aruch rules that, not like the Rashba, Shulchan Aruch rules that someone whose daughter is being seized by the church and they're going to baptize her and make her a Christian, Mitzvah lasim l'derech pa'amav. The Rashba says he's not sure. Tzarech Talmud he says a couple of times, but he doesn't think he should. But Shulchan Aruch paskins it's a mitzvah to do it. 
mitzvah to hit the road and do whatever you have to do, whatever you can do to rescue her, even outside Chum Shabbos Daraisa, Ve'ilo Bay, and if you don't want to, Basin goes real If you're going to be from and say, I can't be Mechal Shabbos, Basin will make you. Basin will, will use the, the power that it has to, in, to force you to be Mechal Shabbos because this is the halacha the Basin Yosef says. We, we have to do whatever it takes to rescue this girl. And the Mishabur says, Bito is Orcha de Milsa. That was the case, but it applies to anyone. Anyone who's in a position to save the girl should do so, he says. However, he says, again, if you read the Beis Yosef, this is because it's not her fault. One of the reasons of the Beis Yosef is because it's not her fault. She was seized from no fault of her own. And therefore, we say, even though there's a rule of Ein Onlad, B'chatev, Chavercha, here, where it's not her fault, you should do it. Says, says the, says the, says the Mishnah Brewer. However, if, uh, if it is her fault, if she was hanging around the church, and she was flirting with uh, apostasy, and she was... Uh, it's her fault she got into this mess, which sometimes happened as well. Then you can't be Machal Shabbos, because then we go back to the Rashba's ruling that you don't you can't tell a person Khatei Kishigiska Khavercha. Where you know today we, we tend to be very sympathetic toward anybody, toward lost souls like this. We say it's not really their fault, they're confused, they're they're teenagers, they're whatever they are, but Halacha has a uh, often has a more old fashioned sense of personal responsibility. Certainly if the, if you're not gonna be Machal Shabbos, you can save her without Khil Shabbos, of course you should save her. But if, uh, if you know, the only way to save her is by doing Chil Shabbos yourself, then the Mishnah Brewer concludes that if it's an Isra Daraisa, you shouldn't do it if it's her fault. If, if she was Poshea, if it's her recklessness and negligence that got her in trouble, then you cannot be Mechal Shabbos to save her. But Isra Drabanan, if, if you only have to do an Isra Drabanan, then the Mishnah Brewer brings from the El Yerabah, you could be Mechal to do an Isra Drabanan, like Tchum Shabbos Drabanan, to save her even if it is her fault. Okay, I'll call upon him. So the two is the Rashba Paskins, that because of the rule of that we don't normally tell a person to do an Avera, to save somebody else from a greater Avera, the Rashba says you should not try to save her, and that you do, at least in the case when it's not her fault. When it's not her fault, and it's certainly a mitzvah rabba to save her from being a Christian, then you should do a relatively minor Avera in order to save her from a major Avera. Okay, so that is one case. And now we turn to a tshuva of the Machnechayim. Machnechayim is a rather more, uh, rather less dramatic case. Machnechayim was, uh, was, was a great Hungarian posik. He was Rav Chaim Sofer. He was a follower of the school of the Chasim Sofer, no relation apparently to the Chasim Sofer, but he was a son of a Talmud of the Chasim Sofer. Um, but he was, a, he, he was one of the great, uh, outstanding Hungarian scholars in the latter half of the 19th century, he was one of the hardliners, one of the extremists in Hungary, the virulently anti-reform, anti-neolog. He was one of the, the staunch reactionaries along with the Maram Shik. But he was one of the, one of the great postkim in Hungary in the second half of the 19th century. The tshuva we're doing tonight does not have any ideological uh, undertones. It's a more technically halachic tshuva. His tshuva was, he was asked by, uh, by a, certain, a certain person, he says, very similar to the case of the, a very similar case to the case of Rabbi Avram Kleisner, the Marak, that we discussed in the beginning. Someone bought Dalad Minim in honor of the mitzvah. Most people apparently relied on the communal esrog. And in honor of the mitzvah, he didn't want to have to do that. He wanted to do it more mahudr, to have his own Dalad Minim, so he bought his own. Erev Yantif, his brother-in-law said, I don't have an esrog this year. In my, in my, in my region, there are no esrogim to be had for love or money, apparently. But, but uh, we do have one asterisk, he said, 
a very dubious esterik, a very bedievet esterik. It's kosher, rakel tzad hadochik. People point out, even the chinuch esterogim we have today, our people often point out, my father always used to mention this to me, are, are often nicer than the esterogim they had in Europe. This was that kind of situation. The, his brother-in-law said, we have one esterog, and it's very dubious kashrus. That's all we have. Please give us yours. And you use the kahal. In your city, there are other ones. So please use the kahals and give us yours. Very, very similar to the Matei Moshe's case. So the Balabayas asked, do I have to do that? He asked, am I allowed to do that? Do I have to do that? He said, maybe it's even a bizarre for the mitzvah. If I say, I don't need the mitzvah, here, take it. You can have the mitzvah. Is that respectful to a mitzvah to show that I just give it away to other people? Maybe it's even wrong. And even if it's not wrong, he says, even if it's not an Avera, do I have to do it? I, I'm really very reluctant, he said. I, I, the Hidra mitzvah means a lot to me. I was excited about, I was planning on being Mahadir and having my own Lulav and Esrug this year. Doesn't say if he did it every year his own, like the Mate Moshe's case or not, like the Marak's case or not. But he said, I, do I, am I allowed to do it even? And even if I am allowed to do it, do I have to do it? I really don't want to do it. That, that's what he asked the Maram Shek, the, the Machnechaim. Says the Machnechaim. He divides this question into a number of variations. He says, first, we'll discuss, let's say his, let's say his brother-in-law had no estrog at all. Not even, a, not even one that was kosher al He had no kosher estrog at all. Are you mechuyif to give him your estrog? So he, uh, he says, on the one hand, we had that Gemara that says that in the case of the Truma, the case of the Chaver, someone does do an Isura Zuta to stop the Amaris from doing an Isura Rabbah. That's much worse. He said, there, there the guy's doing an Avera. He's doing an Avera of eating Tevel. Here, he said, he just, uh, he won't do the mitzvah, he says. And he's an honest. He, he can't do the mitzvah. That's not so bad, he said. No, no one's doing an Avera here. So, Misvarach his initial position is, he says, there's no Chiv to do it. doesn't say it's Asir, but he says there's no Chiv to do it. You would, unlike what the Rabbi Avram Kleisner said, that you should give your Esther to somebody else, he says, he thinks that the Misvarach his his starting point, logically, he says, is that you are not mochiv to give up your esrog, even though it's only a hinder for you because you have a communal esrog, you're not mochiv to give up your esrog to somebody else. Then he brings the, the Beis Yosef that we saw. He says that if it's your foot, that that Dakimar that says that, that the Chavar should do it is because, is because it was his, that, that the, that, I'm sorry, the Dakimar that says that the Chavar should not do it is because it was not his fault. If it's the, it's not, because it was his fault, uh, the Dakimar that says that, 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 um, our, that the Chavar should do it, should do the Surazuta, even Akimar is only because it was his fault. Otherwise, we go back to the Gemara and Shabbos that you shouldn't do it. So, okay, then certainly he says, in our case, it's not your fault that your brother doesn't have an asterisk. Certainly, you're not Machayev to do it. Ein ish tarach litain, chefzer liskos chavero bestrogu, you don't have to do it. You can't do the mitzvah the way you want, kavas nafsho in the desirable way. His starting position is that you don't have to do it. Now he brings the ruling of the Rabbi Avram Kleisner. Rabbi Avram Kleisner's ruling in Kamat, exactly the same case, is that you should do what he says. You should give the asterisk to the other community. That lachara is a direct contradiction to what I say. He saw this in the Magen Avram, as we saw. Magen Avram is quoting Matya Moshe. The Matya Moshe was quoting Rabbi Avram Kleisner. So going back to a, to a psach from the 14th century. Says the Machnechayim, the distinction I mentioned briefly earlier, he says, the reason that Rabbi Kleisner said you should give the esrog to the other community is because that was Zikri Harabim. The entire other community doesn't have an esrog. By giving them your esrog, you'll enable an entire community of Jews to do the mitzvah. Then, certainly, he says, you should, you should let the other community do it, even though you won't have the Hidra, he says. 
If you read the language of Rabbi Kleisner, he says, the, the, language, the language of the Psak was, they don't have one at all. He says that, he says that, the Rokhleisner himself does not use the language of, uh, of that, that, the, that, that was actually the Magen of Ram's language, that was his paraphrase of the Mati Moshe. The original language of, the, of Rabbi Kleisner was, we don't have one, which implied that they don't have any. The Magen of Ram emphasizes that by saying, they don't have one at all. Says the Machne that's the key point there, they don't have one at all. And therefore, by giving them yours, you're doing a tremendous thing. You're enabling an entire community to do the mitzvah. If it's just one against one, if your brother-in-law is by himself, he's not with another community, but just one, you or him, it's just one against one, even though for you it's only, for you it's only a hidr, and for him it's meikr and din, says the Mach Nechayim, that then you should not give it to him. That, that's how he understands the, the Mate Moshe. He says that mitzvah derabim, like Tosus says also, mitzvah der, that, that, I'm sorry, not Tosus, the Gemara says in various places, mitzvah derabim shiny, a mitzvah of a bunch of people is greater than a mitzvah of one, and therefore, he says that you, his inclination is, you should not, you, you do not have to give me your esr. He doesn't say you can't, but he says you do not have to give me your esr. Then he brings another ruling, and this takes us back to Hanukkah. He brings another raya, apparently, that it's better to give up a hider in order to help somebody else, even a single person, do the mitzvah meikra din. His raya is from another Magen Avram in Hilchas Chanukah. The Magen Avram says, mentioned this point briefly in the introduction, he says, Im shemen You have exactly enough oil for your menorah. Your friend has no oil. So if you light b'tzimtzum, all eight, all eight neiros of Chanukah, all 36 neiros, if you light everything, you'll have mahadrim and mahadrim every night of Chanukah, but your friend will have no will have no ner Hanukkah. If you give him some of your oil, he'll do the mitzvah miikra din without the mahadrin every night, and you'll do the din miikra din mahadrin or miikra din every night. But you won't have mahadrin. So again, what's better for you to do mahadrin or for him to do miikra din? Says the Magen Avram, you should give it to him. Mutav sheyadlik b'chalayla echad. Better that you should do only one, and you should give your friend some oil as well. Medina, even though we all take for granted, we live in a land of plenty, we have enough for Mahadrim and Mahadrim, Mosif Aholech, one more every night. That's not Medina, that's what we call Mahadrim and Mahadrim, and Medina, you only need one, so better, the Magen Avram takes for granted, similar to the Rabbi Avram Kleisner, the Matei Moshe, similar to the Din of Lula, better that you should give up Mahadrim and enable him to do the Ikra Din, the Ikra Din. Says that is goes against what I said as well, because there again we see even an, a single, an individual, a yachid, enabling even one person to do the mitzvah is more important than me doing the hider. Says the Machnechayim, it's also not a raya. That's also not comparable, he says. Because he says, over there he says, the, the ner that you're lighting is very mahudur. It's a beautiful ner, it's perfect. It's in the quantity, he says. The, the, you're not lighting more neras, he says. That, in that way you're not doing the mahadran, he says. But the nair that you're lighting is in, qualitatively is a, is a very nice nair. He says, but esrog, where you're going to have an inferior esrog, you're going to use the, the, communal, the communal esrog, even though you're yotze, it's not the hider. You're not going to have the nanuim. He says, you're not going to be able to shake the lulav during halal properly. You can shake it afterwards, but you're not going to be able to do it during halal, like chazal or masakin. There, he says, qualitatively, the mitzvah will be less. You're yotze, but qualitatively, it's a lesser mitzvah. 
Therefore, he says that he's inclined to stick to his guns. He says that you're not mochayif to send it, and you are, and that's how he ends. That's how he, he, he ends as he begins, that you're not mochayif to send it. The case of Rabbi Avram Kleisner is different because there, he says you should send it because there you're, you're being mezaka an entire community, not just one person. The case of Hanukkah is different because there, even though it's one person there, it's a question of, of uh, it's just a question of quantity. But here, where the quality and the, the, the nature of the mitzvah itself, not just the quantity, is going to be inferior, there, Machnechayim's inclination is better that you should keep the better that you should keep the nicer you're allowed to, you're allowed at least to keep the nicer restaurant yourself, and you don't have to. You don't. You you're certainly. He, he doesn't say you shouldn't, but he says you're certainly not mechuyev to give the esrog to the other person. He says you can ask, you can, you can raise a similar question about matzah. Someone has two kazais, two kazais and moshmura matzah. He can give one to his friend, and the leech have one kazais, but he won't have karech. He won't have, uh, he says, uh, what should he do? Tzarechi and Godly says, he's not sure. Is it better that you should have two kazayasim, because Chazal actually reckon, want you to eat more than one kazayasim matzah at the Seder, or better to give one to your friends, you can each have one, Tzarechi and Godl. We spoke about this in one of our Parshish Yurim for Parshish Kedoshim a while back, about the story my, my father reminded me of that I, I had heard many years ago. There's a story about the Skelena Rebbe and the Vizhnitsa Rebbe about they were, uh, after the war, they were, after the war, they were, uh, after the war, they, they were, they, they were, they were baking matzahs in a, uh, baking matzahs where? In a, uh, in, 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 in a, in a DP camp, in a, in Chernowitz, in Bukovina. So they, they somehow managed to uh, bake some matzahs. They had a lim- very limited quantity of Shmura matzah. So the... The 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 the, the was uh, the Rebbe was giving three matzahs to every person. He had enough for everyone to have three, but he wasn't giving anything more than three. There are different versions of the story with different numbers, but in one version of the story, he was giving everyone three matzahs. He, on, a week before Pesach, Rav Moshe Hager, the son of the Seret Vishnitzer Rebbe, came to pick up matzahs for his father, the vision the Seret Vishnitzer Rebbe, Rav Baruch Hager. He got three matzahs. He told the Skelena Rebbe. I know you said you're only giving three. My father says he must have six. My father wants six. Skelena Rebbe wasn't thrilled about this, but he said, okay, the Rebbe's demanding, the, the Sarat Vizhnitzer is demanding six, he gave him six. So, I guess he was a little puzzled by this, it seemed rather uh, greedy and demanding, but he, the, the Rebbe asked for it, so he, uh, he deferred to the Rebbe, the other Rebbe. The day before Pesach, the son of the Sarat Vizhnitzer Rebbe Returned to the Skelena Rebbe and says, and says that the, I'm giving you back three matzahs. He says, Why? I thought your father wanted six. He says, My father wants to know, did you keep any matzahs for yourself? He said, No, I didn't. The Skelena Rebbe said, I, I gave them all away. How can I keep matzahs when so many other people need? My father knew what you were going to do, he said, and that's why he took six. So he can have three to give you back right before Pesach, so you can have three as well. So the question is, again, the, the, nobody, nobody is going to, uh, fail to fail to admire. The Skelena Rebbe's uh, selflessness and uh, devotion to Kal Yisrael. The question is, what is the halacha? Is a person really supposed to give up his own mitzvah so other people can do a mitzvah? The answer generally is no. You're not supposed to. You, you certainly don't have to. You may, could be you're not even supposed to. That Chayacha Kodman and in Ruchnius as well, Pashtus, that a person is supposed to do the mitzvah himself rather than give it to somebody else. And the Machne Chaim is going so far as to say, even if it's only your hider and it's somebody else's uh, Iker Adin, someone else is not going to do the mitzvah at all, you should still keep it for yourself. Unless, he says, it's a question of a whole community that, that's not going to do the mitzvah, 
then we have Rabbi Avram Kleisner's Psak, or it's a question where you'll, your mitzvah will be fine in quality, just you won't have the quantity quite as much. Maybe that's a little bit like, well, the matzah case, he'll have no matzahs for himself. When it's, when it's a question of quantity, then he says, you, like the Hanukkah case, then you can give the oil to somebody else, when you'll have at least one beautiful nair, even though you won't have the number of mahadrit. But in a case where your mitzvah will be less mahudr, qualitatively less mahudr, like you'll have less of an esrog, a communal esrog instead of a personal esrog, then you don't have to give it to somebody else, he says, even if the other person won't be yotze at all. In the very last line of the tshuva, he says, Yinam he says, if you want to send it to him, he says, you worried about Bizayin for the mitzvah, you could, he says, at least if you send it before the Zman of the mitzvah. If you send it Erev Yantif, before the mitzvah kicks in, then it doesn't look like a Bizayin mitzvah to send it away. He implies that if you would want to send it away on Yom Tov, that would be more of a problem. That might be more of a mitzvah, because the Chiyav mitzvah is already there, and you're Biyadayim sending it away. And practically, if you could really send it back and forth on Yom Tov, you could just get it back on Yom Tov also. If that was really an Eitzah, maybe, maybe there's only enough time to send it one direction on Yom Tov. But the, if you send it before Yom Tov, he said it's not a Bizayin for the mitzvah. So if you want to send it, he says, you're allowed to do it. But Chiyav, you're definitely not Mechayiv to, he says. So the Machnechayim takes the, the striking position that you're not Mechayiv to, that your Hidr can take precedence over someone else's being Yotze, the, the Ikra did. Similar position is proposed in the Beis Yaakov. The Beis Yaakov was an earlier Akron, a couple hundred years earlier. He, he was asked about a Shiloh about a Talus. He says that Ruvain lives in a village. He, he, some, somehow he doesn't have a Talus right now. Levi has, Levi does have a talus. Ruven wants Levi's talus. Again, I'm not sure how close they were, what the logistics were here, why can't they both use the talus one after another. Somehow, if Levi gave up his talus to, uh, to Ruven, then Levi wouldn't have a talus. But Levi has Shimon, his relative, who has two talisim. So Levi can borrow one a spare talus from Shimon. I don't know why Ruven couldn't borrow the spare talus from Shimon. But for some reason, Levi can, maybe Shimon is, Reuven, is, 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 is Shimon is Levi's relative, he'll give it to him, he won't give it to Reuven. Whatever it is, Reuven has an option of being Yotzi with a borrowed talus, but, Levi, but uh, Reuven has no option at all, so Reuven will have no talus at all. Is, is Levi Mechuyev to give his talus, to, to lend his talus to Reuven, because otherwise Reuven won't have a talus, and he'll be Yotzi with a borrowed talus, or maybe not. Maybe, again, a person has the right to say, I want to use my own talus, not to rely on somebody else's. So he says, basically, I had the same question about Lulav and Esrik, the same question as the Machnechayim, the same question as Rabbi Kleisner. I had the same question as well, the same kind of scenario. I had this question for a long time. Basiakov has a longish tshuva, but at least his initial position is, Ein tzarech osayachid You don't have to do it. He has a different set of riots, but he also concludes that you don't have to do it, that you're doing the mitzvah yourself in an ideal way, in this case, using, using your own talus, like using your own Esrik, that is more ideal, and therefore, again, even though it's less, not so much as esrog. Esrog, we say, it's using the, commun- the communal esrog. It's not lachem. It's not as tzitzis also has to be. Tzitzis also has to be lachem. A beged shol is not chayiv and tzitzis. Okay, so for similar reasons to esrog, he says that it's more mohudur to have your own, and therefore, very much, very similar to the machne chayim. A century or two later, he says you're not mochayiv to lend your talis to somebody else. What about the ruling of Rabbi Avram Kleisner? What about his ruling that you should give your esrog to the people who want it because they don't have an esrog at all? He says the same chiluk as the Machnechayim. Nearly, almost identical to the, to the he, he preempted the Machnechayim. Mitzvah de Rabbim is, is much different, he says. If there's a Rabbim, if there's a whole Tzibur who doesn't have an esrog, then yes, then you should 
compromise your mitzvah and rely on the communal esrog, so the entire rabbim should have an esrog. But if it's only a yachid, it's only one person who doesn't have an esrog, you're not mechuyiv to give them your esrog at the, at, the, at the cost of using somebody else's. That's why in the, in the, in the Kovitz it says, Rabbi Avram Kleisner said that you're doing this in order to be in order to be motzi harabim yidei chavasim. The Machnachayim was medayik from the language of the Magen Avram. Ain lehem klal. The whole city doesn't have one. Rabbi Beis Yaakov was medayik from the language of Shiyotzi rabim yidei chavasim. You're doing this in order for a rabim for a whole tzibur to be to be yotze. But uh, if it's just one against one, very very similar to the Machnachayim, he says that mitzvah derabim shiny. Yeah, we know mitzvah derabim is, is a different kettle of fish. He says so. He comes out with a very similar position. And therefore, at least in the starting point of the tshuva, he says, we're not going to get into the rest of the tshuva, at least in the starting point of the tshuva, he says that it's only for a yachid, you're not mechuyiv, to give your talus to somebody else. I believe that there is a, a, a sheet that disagrees, that understands Rabbi Avram Kleisner to say that you should always give your esrog to somebody else. I didn't have a chance to prepare that view. Maybe I'll, if I get a chance to look it up, maybe we'll cover that in another week. But in the meantime, this is the position of the Machne Chaim and the, the Beis Yaakov and the Machne Chaim that your Hidr Mitzvah, at least if it's a qualitative Hidr Mitzvah as opposed to a quantitative Hidr Mitzvah, takes precedence over somebody else doing the Mitzvah Meikra Din, unless it's a Rabbim, then you, should give, then you should enable the Rabbim to do the Mitzvah, even at the cost of compromising the quality of your own Mitzvah. Just close tonight with one final discussion of this question. This is a very interesting question in Hilchus Mezuzah by the Das Kedoshim. The Das Kedoshim was Rabbi Avram Warman of Bachach. The, one of the Gidole Hadar of the 19th century, author of the Eshel Avram, not the Primagodim's Eshel Avram, the other Eshel Avram on Arachayim, the Kesef Kedoshim on Choshen Mishpat, the Das Kedoshim on Yeridea, the Ezer Mikodesh on Avon Ezer. He was looked up to by the other Gidolim in Europe as one of the Zikne Hadar, one of the greatest post of his Dar. So he has, uh, he, he has, in his work on Mezuzah, in his Das Kedoshim on Mezuzah, he says, so he says, what happens this is an interesting sociological uh, point. He says, what happens if you have a mezuzah on a room which is putter, but you put it there as a good luck charm? People believe that mezuzah has shmira. Chazal indicate that mezuzah provides protection for certain rooms. So apparently it was a custom back then, and today as well, among, in certain circles, to put mezuzahs even in places where the halacha does not require them, just as, because, they, because they mystically provide shmira. Some posts can disagree with this. Rambam has famous language. Maybe we'll discuss this in detail in another week. Very critical of those who treat mezuzahs as a good luck charm. Contemporary Israeli posts can discuss, can you hang a mezuzah from your rearview mirror? Can you put a mezuzah with your dog tags to protect you? Some posts can, halachically minded posts can, ridicule the idea of using a mezuzah to provide shmira outside its, its format of kiyom mitzvah. But anyway, the Das Kedoshim tells us, 150 years ago, he says, there were people who used to use mezuzahs, even when there's no chiyuv, they would put it up anyway just to provide shmirah. So what happens if a person does that, and uh, a person does that, and someone else doesn't have a mezuzah and needs one for a room that's high of mikra din? So he says, yeah, the right thing to do is to, is to, is to give it to him, he says, to lend it to him. If, if he needs one for halachic purposes, for a chiyuv, and you want one only for a shmirah, he says, it's more important to give it to him to do the mitzvah than it is for you to have a... Uh, a talisman on your door. And then he says the same thing we find in the Achronim, going back to Avram Kleisner, the Matimosha, the Magen Avram. The Achronim say that an Esrog, you should give up your Hidr Mitzvah for someone else to do the Mitzvah Meikra Din. Again, this is even less than Hidr. This is just a question of Shmira. But the same idea, he says, if you want one for reasons that are short of Chiyuv Mitzvah and someone else wants one Meikra Din to be Yotzeh the Mitzvah, 
God would be happier, God prefers that you give it to him and not keep it for your shmira or for your hidra mitzvah. Not, on a variation of this question, he says, if you have a mezuzah on a, on a, on a door that's potter, anyone who's consulted with a rav on mezuzah will, will eventually run into this. There are certain doors, certain doorways where there's a safek, you put up a mezuzah and be safek without a bracha. So if you have a mezuzah on a place where there's a safek, for example, there's a machlokis, he brings a famous machlokis, Rambam and the Rush, katan va'aruch. Halach is a space needs a mezuzah if it's four by four amas, six to eight feet by six to eight feet. What if it has the requisite area, but one side is less than four amas and one side is more? It's long and narrow. Machlokis we shown him. We put up a mezuzah misafik, but uh, we put it up misafik, but it's a safik. So now what should you do? Should you put up a mezuzah? If you have such a room that needs a mezuzah misafik, and your friend has a room that needs a mezuzah b'taras vaday, so what's preferred? Should you keep the mezuzah to, to fulfill your safik chiyuv? Or should you give it to him for his vadechiyuv? So he brings Tosus. Tosus says that the only time we mentioned earlier, the only time we tell someone not to do even a small avera to save somebody from a big avera is only if it's your friend's fault that he was pashaya. So here, your friend wasn't pashaya. So we do tell you to do a, a small avera to save him from a big avera. Better that you should violate a suffixi mezuzah than your friend, who, through no fault of his own, should violate a, a vaday mitzvah. Even according to Tosa's other terrorists, the only mitzvah derabim do we tell you to do a, a, a chait for him. Maybe he says that the maila of vade over safek, the, the advantage of doing a mitzvah when it's a vade chiyuv vis-a-vis doing a mitzvah when it's a safek, maybe that's equivalent to mitzvah derabim. He says, however, he, he mentions other far of the machne Ephraim, he's an onus. It's not his fault. He, he's an onus, he says. If you say that you're potter, then again, he's potter, like the machne Chaim said, that in the case where someone's potter from a mitzvah, why should I give up my chiyuv to take care of him? He's potter anyway. He's not doing an avera. So maybe you shouldn't give it to him. So he says, if you have a suffix, you shouldn't give it to him, even if he has a vade. However, if it's only a hider, he says, going back to the way he started, then we say you should give up your hider for his mitzvah. So again, that would be not like the Machne Chaim and the Beis Yaakov. The Beis Yaakov and the Machne Chaim say that your hider does take precedence over, over someone else's chiyuv as long as he's not a rabbim and as long as it's, as long as it's a qualitative uh, hider. But the uh, Daskidoshim suggests that if it's a real suffolk, you, you should take care of your suffolk first. But if it's not a suffolk, if it's just a hider, he suggests that you should give up your hider in favor of someone else's chiyuv. Again, we have to give thanks to Hashem that we live in a land of so much plenty and so much, uh, so much comfort, both, both physical and spiritual, that we don't have to worry about these questions that often. But this is a, a fascinating halakhic discussion of, of halakhic, halakhic axiology, how we weigh the the, the mitzvah, or even the hidr mitzvah, of my, of my own, my own hidr mitzvah, against the, the chiyuv mitzvah, the, someone who has no chance of the mitzvah at all, of somebody else, a yachid or a rabbi.